Hey, everybody. Welcome to an attorney and an accountant walk into a bar. I'm John. I'm the attorney and my buddy here. I'm Kent, and I'm the accountant. Great. And Kent, hey, you know what we're going to talk about today? Artificial intelligence, its impact on our industry and your job. Is AI going to take your job? Yeah, maybe. All right. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Think John that it could, this has got to be a multi-part series. AI as a as a um, subject is evolving so rapidly that where we were six months ago to where we are now will have likely a completely different conversation a year from now. Yeah, how about last week? Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, <clears throat> I think the important thing I think for people to realize is that this is such a different revolution. And the revolutions we've had in the past. So <clears throat> what we're used to with technology evolving is that low-skilled jobs, labor jobs are going to get taken over. The paradigm is, oh, a robot's going to do my job. And that was true for, you know, auto workers, right? sure. you know, welding robots and things like that. So we always felt for a long time that the danger or the Exposure was for people in <clears throat> blue-collar and low-paying jobs. This revolution is so different because guess who's at risk? White-collar. Damn right. Yeah. And you know who's going to do well? Blue-collar people. If you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, if you are a welder, you work with your hands, you're going to be fine. Yeah, it, and it, it bears to mention that not just in professional fields, but in creative fields, AI is making tremendous strides, especially. I think um, if we're focusing today specifically on accounting and law, I know there's been a, a number, quite a number of articles recently coming out in the accounting industry about, you know, one of the more famous ones is currently is uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, announced that they're investing a uh, billion dollars into their partnership with ChatGPT. And that's really going to affect how they utilize that technology, and also lower their staffing needs. Yeah, that totally blew me away because we were having a conversation, you and I, with one of our clients, and he was asking about AI, and he was asking about that sort of thing, and I remember making the remark that, yeah, you know, the big firms like PricewaterhouseCooper and Deloitte, they're making these investments, and I threw out a figure of $100 million, and I was almost bit my tongue. Thought, oh, John, you're exaggerating. Yeah. Well, guess what? When you look it up, it's 10 times that. Yeah, for sure. And the impact, though, is astronomical, but not here in the, not just here in the U.S., as you know, that I have experience working uh, overseas. So in those overseas countries, Philippines, India, a lot of the work that's done out there are more of the repetitive analysis work that can be done. And it's not necessarily by chat GPT in itself. That's what we call a gateway because it's a language-based program. But when you talk, think about interactions with um, uh, Microsoft 365 Copilot, Copilot something where Microsoft is a heavy investor into ChatGPT, and you start creating its utility into a program like Excel, which is the backbone of accounting, and you have that kind of capability, it creates a much more powerful beast. Well, that's interesting because, you know, 
One of the struggles I've had is that when I look at the applicability of ChatGPT, which is the obvious interface, right, and large language models is what that represents, and there's a lot of them. ChatGPT is the most you know, sure. famous, but there's many, many large language models. The impact on the law obvious because we are a language-based profession. The counter, on the other hand, is a numbers-based profession. And I know that we've had some struggle or at least some difficulty in trying to apply AI in our business to the accounting side where the legal side's been quite obvious. Yet, the big investment is being made by the accounting firms. That's right. Well, so, so what? So auditors. I mean, that's the big one, right? Sure. So, how would you envision AI? Not necessarily ChatGPT, right? But sure. AI in general replacing an auditor. It essentially is a supercomputer that can analyze and stratify data. If you think about audits and the purpose of an audit, which is to identify, call it irregularities in financials, if you're able to stratify a massive amount of data in a split second, but not do it like a dummy terminal to give you statistics to interpret. Not only does it look at the statistics, but it then can also benchmark it against other industries instantaneously and allows uh, an auditor at the management level to look at it, look at a comprehensive report that looked at 10 years of history stratified across all industry comparatives, uh, how this business is performing on cash, cash flow, cash holdings, its ins and outs, and it does it instantaneously. That normally took the work of an audit team months to come up with. It's pretty powerful. And it'll do it in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a revelation. What's that? God forbid the IRS figures that out. That is actually one of the things I wanted to talk about because the IRS could leverage this for audits. Now, we have to hope that the governmental inefficiencies are still in place and we have some um, the political lobbyists for our friends that do a lot of the tax work. H&R Block, shout out. Um, and also TurboTax, shout out. Just continue your lobbying, please, um, to disallow some of the things and the way they disallowed or they made it very difficult for the individual to do their own taxes and submit that online. You know, that's part of, that's a whole nother topic I can, I can talk about. But some of the areas that we, we, we look at it from a tax perspective is tax research. We just talked about audit. But from a language perspective, already what we're seeing is that you can ask it questions. So we take um, uh, just a general accountant and says, hey, what is, how do you conduct this journal entry? And we've tested that out. And it'll tell you the debit and the credit and how to enter a journal entry. And on top of it, you can go into it, you can ask a complicated scenarios or comparative questions that say, what's the difference between a statute under IFRS or ASC, so international or, or American standard? It can compare the two. And then on top of it, we talk about its limitations. Remember, it's the chat GPT that most of the public has uh, available to it is, is one that ends in 2021. So it's knowledge-based kind of cliffs. The other thing that happens in accounting that's very particular, you and I have talked about this before, is that sometimes the answers look right, but they're not. Yeah. So we, there's not substantiation or citation against the answer. Now, you can ask it, and I've tried it, to cite the actual code sections, and it will do its best to do so. It does give disclaimers, of course, but ultimately well, it, do? it does actually pretty well. If you, talk, if, you, if you think about it in generalities, it can talk about a large-scale topic in a, from a general scope, pretty well. Well, 
You know, to me, at least I've tried to implement it in my practice Mm -hmm. just because I'm kind of a computer nerd and it's fascinating to me. One of the things I found is that the key to getting what you want is about asking the right question. That's right. If you don't know how to ask it a question, you don't give it the information that it needs to give you the output that you want, you're going to get crap. Yeah, but it's just like almost all the models in history, garbage in, garbage out. True, and, but if you know how to ask it, if you know how to, how to draft a prompt, mm-hmm. there's actually a whole, you know, guides and thoughts, and, and I think this will be the big field going forward is how to draft a prompt, how to ask it, what to, what to give it. And when you learn to give it a, right, a, a, mm-hmm. a really good prompt, you get gold. You really do. But the good news is it's not a one-time shot. On those threads, it's a building conversation. Right. You, you, can, right. you give it building blocks as a, as a conversation just like you and I. Let's say I give you, you know, the narrative before the punchline. It's, it's similar to that where I, I build up the story, and then when I request the action, once you've built up the story, it understands the history behind it. So that's I think, is incredibly powerful that it learns from the earlier conversations rather than a direct input and output. I think historically computers are treated direct input, and once that output is complete, whether it's right or not, that conversation runs cold. Well, that was the mo- I think the most amazing thing to me or the most shocking thing to me when I first started using it was I would you know, ask it a question or I'd ask it a task, and I'd be a little disappointed in the output, and then I'd ask it again. And my approach was... Well, ask the same question, but then like modify it in some mm-hmm. way, put a little more information in there. But then I realized, oh, no, 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 no. It's learning from me. Yep. It's learning in our conversation. I don't have to tell it the whole prompt all over again. I can just say something like, well, add this fact or write it in a more amenable tone or write it in a more menacing tone. And it knows what it is. Correct. It knows everything that went before in the conversation like a human would. And that was, that was what shocked me. So in our, in our profession, I, I have an assumption or a hypothesis that it, it's really going to mostly affect, at the, at the initial phase, the folks that create repetitive work. So accounts receivable, accounts payable folks in accounting, they're already on path to be automated. So this will just accelerate that path for automation. I think the integration into uh, well-known softwares, let's say if QuickBooks Online decides to integrate some level of, of AI into its sourcing, um, then that could create a more powerful tool. Um, I think that folks that are at the earlier stages in their career, call it maybe first-year first, first year attorneys or accountants, the work they, they are using to create the building blocks for their skill set, a lot of that can be duct- conducted by AI. Some of the fear that I hear about is that if you, if you leverage AI to a certain extent, maybe you don't need first-year folks, but the problem is that first-year folks develop into second and third, and those are the ones that end up making manager and partners. So if you, if you cut off the bottom level, how does someone start in as a second year or as a manager without having actual experience of doing the work? That's going to have to be a problem for our institutions to solve because that's going to be a big problem. And it's the same in, in law because... You know, you've made your point of how accounting would do it. Well, let me tell you what I've actually had practical success for in law is 
every time, at least when I'm working on a case, right, mm -hmm. first thing I do when a client comes in and I take an intake is I write a fact pattern, I write a story, and I write citations to all the evidence, and, and I put it in the file, and then I tell my team, read it, because this is now what everyone needs to understand about this case, and this is how the case is going to be going forward. And then, so I might tell a first-year law student, yeah, read the fact pattern, write me a demand letter telling the, the uh, opponent that he's got to pay us or, or else, right? Or write a complaint or, you know, ask interrogatory questions. Once you feed the AI that fact pattern, I can say, write me a demand letter. And it spits it out. Mm -hmm. And if you're using ChatGPT, for instance, 3.5, it does a fair job. I might have to spend a couple minutes, maybe five, ten minutes editing it. Put the same thing to ChatGPT4. Many times I've looked at it and gone, hmm, shit, that's what I would have written. Yeah. Bye-bye first-year law student. And the, the other thing that I know you said before, once this before, different industries are slower or quicker to adopt. Uh, I find that accounting is very um, forward-thinking in its adoption of technology in terms of uh, workforce, <laughs> uh, <laughs> call it workforce uh, enablement. And one of the things it's, I, I see it doing is allowing smaller boutique firms like, like ours to create and get through a lot more data and information and produce more um, with, with, greater, um, with greater accuracy and greater speed. So it allows for a small period of time, smaller firms, to we'll call it, to bat with the big boys uh, on certain cases and also on certain projects because it allows us to take on more. And nothing is more illustrative than that, in my opinion, than the evolution of tax software. I'm at, a, I'm at this like uh, interesting age where I remember when there was a lot of paper going on in tax returns, a lot of manual binders that had to, had to be created in order to get a tax return out the door. Three, we're talking three ring binders with the Amazon, uh, sorry, with the Anderson fold on it, and a ten column paper, and, had a, and, a, and a create bookmarks all within it. All the work papers were manual, and at some point, your busy season can only capacitate a certain amount of returns. But once technology started to integrate, you were able to access and produce and get through a lot more work in a shorter period of time with greater efficiency. And this is where we introduced two, three screens, right? And there was a time where you had a lot of paper in one screen. And then uh, after a while, the firms instituted, hey, no more paper. Just, just we'll give you another screen instead. And that way you're able to produce, make notes, make copy, and then get through a lot more work. So that efficiency created... Uh, every individual, we'll call it staff person, had more utility to the firm. And so what I, what I envision is skilled individuals that are part of a firm will be able to produce more utility for that firm. I think it's the ultimate evolution of, uh, potentially the evolution of, you know, white-collar jobs. So what does that mean? That means there's going to be a shrinkage in the need, and there's going to be a lot of folks out there looking for, you know, um, a different profession to get into. I'm not saying that people are rushing into accounting. Okay, I'm not saying that. Not everyone's lining out the door, ready to jump into the next accounting program. But um, that may be an okay thing because there might be less need for certain levels of accountants. I absolutely understand. And <clears throat> from, the, from the law perspective, thankfully, I suppose, for 
all you first year law students out there. The legal profession is notoriously, horrifically slow at adopting new technology. Completely the opposite mm -hmm. of accounting. Probably because accounting is a numbers-based profession and law is more of a you know, thought-based and language-based profession. So, And historically, computers have been great at numbers. But big paradigm shift again. Now computers are good at words. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. But I still suspect that our profession will be very slow at adopting this. Um, you know, you want to hear something shocking? What's that? Federal courts, federal courts, because of a federal grant, had full-on electronic filing probably in my first five years of law. And electronic filing has only been fully adopted and implemented in the state court of California such a system for maybe the last couple of years. Wow. Why did it take so long? Because they're a bunch of retards. <laughs> I mean, that's all I can tell you. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there are still lawyers, Kent, in our building using books. Law oh, books. yeah, big law do you remember? libraries. Do you remember? I, do. I, do, do remember. Do you, I remember there's a law firm in here in our building, and I remember seeing them getting the big, huge boxes of updates mm that I used to do for my dad in his law library when I was like, you know, 15. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, what a joke this is. This must be trash. They're probably going to throw this out. I don't know why they're even getting these things. What a joke. Like nostalgia legacy Yeah, like books. some sort of nostalgia. And then this, this old woman paralegal comes out, and she's opening it, and she's like taking out the things and replacing the pages. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what are you doing? This has all been online forever for much less money, and you can <laughs> you can read it all and look it all up and print it all out. And what are you people doing? So there's still even to this day. Now I will bet you there's probably zero accountants with their big fold out ledger ten line column things that you said. The 10 column paper is out. In terms of research, I will say that we do, um, I do a little bit of hybrid. Sometimes, you know, if you want to be a paper guy, there's something called the master tax guide, which is just like an index. So you kind of like know which, uh, uh, which code section you want to start digging up. But then from there, you definitely get online. You can definitely do it online, but sometimes it's fun to just thumb through paper. Okay. Sometimes yeah. it's fun, but... yeah. Some of these people are still doing it, God, They're still doing it. No, that's for sure. So interesting. Let's segue into something here. I want to hear from you, especially in the accounting field. And I'll tell you what I think, too. Going forward for young folks, mm -hmm. and you and me, we got our niche. You know, we're, we've got our client base. I'm not worried about AI because my clients want to talk to me, and my job is more actually of a psychological advisor than a lawyer most of the time, right? So I'm, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to the high school grad, the four-year college grad with a degree in, you know, accounting or even an MBA who's thinking about moving into being a CPA or someone who's being that first-year law student or even more broadly, programmers, creative people, what's this going to mean for them? I mean, my God, that's kind of scary. One that's an interesting question. I don't think I have the exact answer, but I do know that the concentration on a hard skill set 
and the ability to communicate value are things that are going to keep individuals above AI. Because I think of AI as an extension of an individual. I think in the future it becomes um, uh, just like having a cell phone now. The, the, the enablement that having your iPhone and the capabilities of it and the expectations of your ability to perform at a higher level is going to be expected because you just have AI. AI is, is part of your life. Right, and then we we talk about um, this, this is probably for a whole another episode, but we talk about the evolution of what we think AI is going to be personalized, where every individual will have maybe their own AI well, that's yeah. going to be able to help them throughout their life. So if you, if you think about that integration of AI into um, your life, then uh, a new young person will be just expected to be at a operating at just a higher level because they have access to that unlimited knowledge and data. Uh, and I think that uh, my advice to someone would be concentrate on things that make them unique, which is their ability to communicate value and their ability to connect with other people and explain that value, which is, is still the premise that you and I have to do with, with our business. Now, that must be based off, off a core, uh, call it core skill set. What I'm saying is don't be, just become a salesperson. A salesperson is just someone that can you know, sell you anything. I think in our profession, it's important to be able to deliver as well. Oh, that's a lot of interesting concepts, but what does it mean? I mean, if, if you're like, what would you do? That's the question, right? Because what would you do? Because if I'm a really top-level law student, mm -hmm. top five in my class, right, I'll be fine. What about the guy that's in the middle of what about the guy in the bottom of the class? Are they going to be able to get a job? I don't think so. I mean, think, think about here's a here's a frightening statistic. Mm -hmm. There was an examination that was done that says that in the next 18 months, AI could theoretically replace people in 22% of the occupations in the United States. And it's all middle-income, white-collar jobs. It's not just attorneys. It's not just accountants. It's writers. It's advertising people. Programmers, for sure, mm -hmm. right? If that's true, this is going to make COVID look like a cakewalk in terms of its disruption. And... Bear in mind that, you know, systematically there's 3 to 5% unemployment. Sure. So even if you say optimistically 15% of people could be displaced, that puts us at Great Depression in unemployment levels. Yeah, Great Depressions were in the 20% range um, in the 30s. And so I think that for our listeners, as and this is, you know, like I said, this is the first part of a multi-part series. There is so much to cover when it comes to AI. There is so much to discuss in terms of its evolution. And right now, we're just scratching the surface of its impact on just accounting and, uh, and law. But yes, it hits so many fields. What I'd love to you know, continue our conversation on is in some time from now, maybe a week, maybe a month, as new technologies come up, I'd love to figure out what its, what its use case is. Because right now we, we're kind of plugging uh, a square peg into a round hole, right? So it, it's useful, 
And in certain extents, in certain extents, for example, writing a demand letter or something, it's it's just plug and play. But there's areas, for, for example, in accounting where it, it can't just create the spreadsheet, do the analysis just yet, just yet, just yet. <laughs> and that evolution is something that we want to monitor and understand because when that happens, what you're saying is that 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 cliff where the the usefulness of um, employees that are working in that capacity. Their utility will become less and less for a company, and that's not going to be over multi- a multitude of years. It can be over just a period of months, and you start thinking about the re- reduction of headcount, the unemployment rate, and its effect on our economy. I mean, you may even have government stepping in for bailouts for people that you know become significantly unemployed. And um, what I'd love to hear from any of our listeners is what they want to hear about when it comes to AI and the professional industry, or if they have stories to tell, you know, we'd love to hear from them as well, because that's something when we as professionals have a peek into a lot of different industries because of our client base, I love to see or hear firsthand impacts from everyone. And if they have, you know, war stories or if they have uh, implications of how it's affected their own career, I mean, it gives us a lot of context to talk about um, what we do. Yep. Absolutely. And I just, I really want everyone out there too to just get the message. Yeah, you know they really got to start thinking about this. This is like electricity. This is like, this isn't like you know some minor step. This is a really, really big innovation. I think it's going to change everything. And I think our listeners should know that tragedies are coming. <laughs> I, I like to call it innovation is coming. But the the good demand news, for the innovation. Good news is, the good news is, What's that? you're a plumber, electrician, <laughs> you're fine. You're going to be just fine. That's right. That's right. So I'm at the bottom of my glass. That tells me that our conversation for today is coming to an end. Yeah, and I guess i got to finish mine too. That's so right. Cheers to you. Cheers. <laughs> and then we're going to continue this conversation. So till next time. I appreciate everyone listening on this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them in, leave them below. Interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, click like, subscribe to our podcast, um, and we really appreciate you guys listening. Until next time. All right. All right. Take care.